guys to drop by. It's a trap. Julie, get us out of here. We would be honored if you would join us. Charming to the dance. This time you have gone too far. I got a bad feeling about this. Hello, what have we here? Red 5 standing by. This is our rescue. You must feel the force around you. I don't know what you're talking about. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. I like the sound of that. Welcome to Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and lately I've been making a series of seven speculations regarding the upcoming film Star Wars The Force Awakens. These are not spoilers, unless they turn out to be true, but I would be almost surprised if that were to happen. These speculations are barely anything more than guesses, some based on scraps of official information that Lucasfilm has released in interviews or merchandising, and some based on... Just a gut feeling. That's what today's subject is, the fourth of seven speculations. It's just a gut feeling I have, so don't interpret this as my attempt to spoil the film for you. If you don't want to even think about what might happen in this movie until you've seen it in the theaters two months from now, then shut off this podcast. But... If you want to hear my theory on which beloved character or characters from the classic trilogy are going to die in The Force Awakens, well, then by all means, stick around for this promo break, and I'll talk to you again in a couple of minutes. The Film and Water Podcast, a weekly show about movies old and new. Hosted by obsessive movie nerd Rob Kelly and a rotating series of special guests. From sci-fi to horror, dramas to family films, comedies to adventure epics, we watch it all. The Film and Water Podcast is part of the Fire and Water Family of Podcasts. Available weekly at fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. To tell you the story of Green Lantern is to tell you the story of the birth of a universe. The origins of DC as a whole. It's a magic emerald meteor from space in the 1940s. It's the establishment of the JSA. It's the birth of the Silver Age. It's the introduction of a universal police force. It's the formation of the JLA. It's the emergence of the multiverse. It's a crisis in both space and time. It's an emerald dawn. And it's an emerald twilight. It's the brightest day. And the blackest night. And the Lantern cast covers all of this and everything in between. We're Green Lantern's greatest advocates and fiercest critics. We've been fans for years, and it's the reason we're self-proclaimed Lanternologists. So find us on iTunes and Stitcher and give us a listen. Because the history of Green Lantern really is the history of the DC Universe. And we've got the interviews, commentaries, reviews, and more to back it up.
Death has always been a part of the saga of Star Wars, and I'm not talking about the Death Star blowing up Alderaan or Order 66 wiping out all the Jedi. No, I'm talking about people we know, people we care about. Think about how many people Luke Skywalker lost in that first movie. Obi-Wan, Biggs, Uncle Owen, and Aunt Beru. The people who raised him, his best friend from childhood, and his first Jedi mentor. They all buy it before Luke torpedoes the Death Star. And it wasn't done because the filmmaker relishes blood and violence. George Lucas ain't no Rob Zombie or George R.R. Martin. Star Wars is fantasy adventure. It's a hero's journey, and death is a crucial part of that journey. In horror movies, the killer or the monster will often murder the local cop or the boss halfway through the film. In Alien, the captain of the Nostromo is the third man killed. In The Terminator, like 30 cops are cut down by Arnold Schwarzenegger right in their own police station. In Jaws, well, Sheriff Brody lives, but Quint is really the authority figure on the boat, and he gets eaten. There's a reason this happens in so many of these kinds of stories. The death of a cop or a leader, some authority figure, throws the world into chaos. It represents the failure of the system, of civilization, of our natural sense of protection and safety. It raises the tension and the threat level because it leaves the protagonist that much more helpless. How can Ripley survive the alien if Captain Dallas, a man, couldn't do it? What can Sarah Connor do against the Terminator if half the cops in L.A. can't stop it? How can Sheriff Brody kill that shark without the help of the one man he hired specifically for that purpose? And oh, by the way, the ship is sinking. The answer is the same in every case, and it's the reason we love them. They have to step up. The cops can't protect Sarah. Reese can't protect her. She needs to kill that machine herself. Brody has to kill that shark himself. Ripley has to blow the alien out the goddamn airlock herself. That is the culmination of their hero's journey. Without the protection of the system, they must bring order back into the world. The same thing happens in Star Wars. Princess Leia and the Rebellion's only hope was with General Ben Kenobi, but he was too old. He couldn't stop the Death Star. He couldn't kill Darth Vader and the Emperor. Gold Leader tried to blow up the Death Star. He failed and died. Red Leader tried to blow up the Death Star. He failed and died. All of Luke's parental figures, all of the leaders are killed. Even Big's Darklighter, Luke's friend, has to die because Luke has to make that trench run by himself. It's his quest, his journey. In The Force Awakens, we are going to get a new generation of heroes. Rey, Finn, Poe Dameron. They're on their own heroic journeys. And that means somebody has to die. Someone from the previous generation. Someone who, for the characters, and perhaps especially for us, the audience, represents stability and familiarity. We're going to see a familiar face killed in The Force Awakens. It's going to hurt like hell to bid this character farewell. But it's going to raise the stakes, and it's going to leave Rey or Finn in the position where he or she needs to step up and be the hero the galaxy needs. So, who dies? Well... I don't think it's going to be Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia. At least not yet. They may ultimately die before this saga is concluded, but I don't think we're going to see it in Episode 7. Luke has a lot more work to do. He needs to train the next generation of Jedi still. Well, that's assuming he hasn't already, and that could well be a false assumption. But I think killing him in this movie would be too similar to Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars, whereas I think he'll be a little bit more like Yoda in the new saga. I don't think we're going to see Princess Leia die in The Force Awakens, but honestly, that has more to do with me 
not having any idea what part she plays in the movie. I don't know what the resistance is or how it relates to the First Order. I don't know if she has a tiny part like Mon Mothma or something much more significant. But I'm assuming her story will be more involved in later episodes. Again, that could be wrong. So if it's not Luke or Leia, who does that leave? I know right now some of you are screaming at your podcast player, No! They can't kill Nian Num. They can't! And I agree. But that's not who I was thinking of. There are three potential fatalities that would devastate fans on different emotional levels. And I speculate we will see at least one, if not all three, in the new movie. The first is Han Solo. The second is Chewbacca. The third is the Millennium Falcon. Let's consider Han Solo first, because I think that's probably the most obvious to a lot of fans. Harrison Ford famously wanted to die at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, and supposedly only agreed to do Return of the Jedi because they said he could die in that movie, which didn't happen. Although, for all the good he did in that film, I think he might as well have never come out of Carbonite. For years, in the 90s and the early 2000s, Ford said he badly wanted to do another Indiana Jones, but he would only do another Star Wars under the right circumstances. I think J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan, and Kathleen Kennedy found the right circumstances when they signed him on to The Force Awakens. I think they promised him Han Solo could finally die. Does that mean he will die? I'll come back to that in a minute. Should he die? Yes. I've said it before, Star Wars is about rebellion, and rebellion is about youth. It's one generation fighting the oppressive structure of the establishment. Han Solo was cool and sexy and rebellious, and he was young. Now he's just old. Nobody wants to see old, cranky Han Solo. He may have to die to clear the way for John Boyega or Daisy Ridley's heroic journey to progress. There's no galaxy for old men. But... The first Star Wars movie stands on its own as a self-contained adventure. It needed to because George Lucas had no idea who was ever going to be able to make sequels. That ain't the case this time around. The Force Awakens might not end with the same resolution that A New Hope did. In fact, I would almost speculate it has much more of a cliffhanger the way The Empire Strikes Back did, but I'm not making that my speculation. In any event, the new hero's journey will likely take three movies, so maybe Han Solo doesn't die until episode 8. That would have a nice sort of symmetry with The Empire Strikes Back if he dies, essentially, in the second part of both trilogies. Episode 8, by the way, will also come out right before the Han Solo anthology film, and I definitely think old Han will be out of the picture before we see young Han. I definitely think Han Solo dies in episode 7 or 8, and right now... I'm leaning more toward episode 8, but this isn't 8 speculation, so somebody still has to die in this movie. And it breaks my heart, but I think it's Chewbacca. I think they're going to kill the dog. Let me say first that the Expanded Universe novels somewhat prepared me emotionally for this. Chewbacca died in the book Vector Prime, which came out, Jesus, 15 years ago. And he did not go out like a punk. His death was worthy of his greatness. He saved Han Solo's son and a bunch of other people. And then a moon landed on him. Yeah, these aliens used gravitational technology to send a planet's moon crashing into its surface. Han, Chewie, and Anakin Solo helped evacuate some of the people, but Chewbacca got separated from them after saving Anakin. And he was killed, either incinerated or crushed by the cataclysmic destruction... Now, you may not like the thought of Chewbacca dying under any circumstances, but as deaths go in Star Wars, that's pretty freaking epic. Now, 
Just because he died first in the books that are no longer in continuity, that doesn't mean he's going to die first in the movies. No, of course it doesn't. But what about the new books that are part of Disney and Lucasfilm's official canon? The book Star Wars Aftermath came out on Force Friday and covers some of the galaxy-shaping events immediately after the Empire's defeat at Endor in Return of the Jedi. If I can ever finish reading the damn book, you'll hear me and the Irredeemable Shag talk about it on this podcast. But that book is actually the first of a trilogy written by Chuck Wendig, with the subsequent parts coming out in 2016 and 2017. The second book in that series comes out after The Force Awakens, and it is titled Life Debt. There's a lot this title could refer to, but who are we kidding? It's got to be talking about Han Solo and Chewbacca. Chewie pledged a life debt to Han. That's part of the reason he stays with him, and why he serves Princess Leia after Han is frozen. Why would this be the subject of the novel coming out right after The Force Awakens? Because it's going to add depth and detail and nuance and characterization to a beloved relationship that we see destroyed in The Force Awakens. Think about that. Think about how you felt when you saw Han and Chewie together again in the last shot of that teaser. These two belong together. But they can't be. Not forever. Chewbacca's death will remind audiences that while their heroes are larger than life, they are not immune to death. It will thrust Han Solo into a position of vulnerability and pain we frankly never seen him in. Not even in The Empire Strikes Back. My out-of-story reason for thinking this has to do a lot with Peter Mayhew's health. He's an old man, and for being as tall as he is, his body looks incredibly frail when you see pictures of it. He was hospitalized this past summer for pneumonia. He went to Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim and could barely walk out on stage. I hope I'm wrong. God, do I hope I am wrong. But I'm not sure he can physically portray the character anymore. But as I say so often on these episodes, maybe I am wrong. Maybe the mighty Chewbacca will live. Maybe the next Chuck Wendig novel is called Life Debt because Han Solo dies. I think it's one or the other. And if somehow they both survive, then I think the Millennium Falcon has to be destroyed. The emotional punch of losing the Falcon would be almost as devastating for fans as it would for the characters. And that is the fourth of my seven speculations. Somebody from the classic trilogy is going to die. I'm about 80% confident that it's going to be Chewbacca. 50-50 on Han Solo dying in The Force Awakens. More like 95% sure he dies by the end of Episode 8. And let's say 10% confident the Falcon is lost in this movie. Just to enrage the fans who coughed up 150 bucks for the Lego set. Before wrapping this episode up, I actually have some listener feedback to attend to, including two brand new iTunes reviews. The first review is from the Inspector C, who says, The fact that there is a full episode about the Rogue Squadron series has me sold. I love all of the new movie speculation as well. Keep it going, sir. Well, thank you, Inspector C. I had a blast talking about Rogue Squadron books with Shag and the Rogue Squadron comic with Greg Arujo. Hopefully I can get back to those topics in the future if schedules allow. The next review comes from Jamie Carter. The best part of this podcast is the genuine thoughts you get from the host. He has a way of telling you his opinions on various Star Wars subjects, but delivering them in a way that if you do not agree, he won't offend you, but will get you to accept his direction and thought process. Also, one can't discount the way he can deliver a joke so nonchalantly and with a voice that sounds a lot like Jesse Eisenberg that you wonder how this gentleman is not doing a regular syndicated radio show. Oh God, more Jesse Eisenberg comparisons. That's only going to get worse as we get closer to Batman vs. Superman. 
Uh, other than that, thank you very much, Jamie. It's great to hear my jokes don't always fall flat, and I do at least try to consider that not everyone listening to the show shares my opinion about all aspects of Star Wars, but presumably we all still love it. That's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why I'm recording it. And if we all love Star Wars, we ought to be able to have a good conversation. Additionally, the Dead Bath and Spies podcast has gotten Twitter favorites and retweets from Dr. G, Nerdologist, the Film and Water podcast, the Hammer Strikes podcast, and Trekker Talk, and probably some others that I'm forgetting at the moment. Over on Facebook, I've gotten some nice public and private feedback from Nathaniel Wayne, Kyle Benning, Rob Kelly, and the aforementioned Trekker Talk and Hammer Strikes podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for your comments and feedback. Finally, it's Sunday morning as I write and record this. If the rumors I have heard are true, we should expect to see the first official movie poster for The Force Awakens today at noon Eastern Time. So by the time you hear the show, that'll either be true or total BS. But along with that, tonight we may get an announcement that tickets for The Force Awakens are going on sale tomorrow night after the worldwide release of the movie's trailer. Now... Tomorrow night, I'm going to be taking part in a James Bond-themed roundtable discussion for the Council of Geeks podcast, hosted by Nathaniel Wayne. If the trailer drops while we're recording that session, I think we'll also do a live reaction video or commentary immediately following. If all this comes to pass, I will definitely plug the hell out of that, and you should be able to get my reaction on Council of Geeks podcast or the YouTube channel. Of course, I will also have a lot more to say about the trailer coming up on future episodes of this show. We are less than two months away from the movie's release. I really, really did not think I would be this excited. When Disney acquired Lucasfilm and made the announcement they were going to make more Star Wars movies, I thought, kind of abstractly, that's nice, maybe they'll be good. But I never thought they could be my Star Wars movies. I thought that time had passed. And maybe I will still feel that way when I walk out of the theater on December 18th. But until then, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the magic again. Star Wars. Feedback for the show can be left on the blog page at deadbothandspies.blogspot.com or the Facebook page at facebook.com backslash deadbothandspies. You can also leave a review of this show on iTunes and you can track me down on Twitter at ryandaily01 or the username Count Dracula. Dead Bath and Spies is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or Walt Disney Company and the views expressed on the show belong solely to the speaker. All music, audio clips, and quoted text is used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. And since I make no money off this podcast, no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.